The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. The church is an important part of our existence. It's necessity. The Lord would not have established His church here if it was not going to benefit His people. Amen. But I think there's a misconception with a lot of God's people that they think the church is the kingdom of God. Well, if that is true, then we only go and be part of the kingdom of God when we're in this setting. We leave this door, we go into what? The world. Isn't that what the problem today is? There's so many is. People like to live with one foot out in the world and one foot in the church, and it doesn't work. That's right. That's right. It just doesn't work. That's right. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, but more than that, we are fellow citizens in the kingdom of God. Right. Now, the kingdom of God, it tells us in Daniel, is an everlasting kingdom. And it tells us in Daniel that God, the Ancient of Days, the Father gave unto one that looked like the Son of Man the authority over this kingdom in this world. It's prophesied all the way back over in the book of Daniel. Read the seventh chapter of Daniel and it lays it out. So in the kingdom, Jesus starts in his Sermon on the Mount with Put the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. God added through the person of Jesus Christ things to his kingdom for our benefit. And this is one of them. This is one of them. And it's an important benefit to a child of God. You look back in the Psalms with Asaph. Asaph worked in the temple. He was uh, that one that would take the words that David wrote and put them to music uh, and uh, present them in the temple. And he said there was a time when he started looking around out in the world. And you know what happened? He had his both feet in the, in, in the temple doing the work of God. And then he took one of his feet and started tapping it out in the world. And he started to see things and wondered why he couldn't have all these things. And then he went through and he said he slipped. And he was falling and he just didn't understand. But you know what he did? It says then he went into the house of the Lord. And he understood these things. This is where we need to come in order for us not to slip. While we're out here in the kingdom. This is a place that we could come uh, the other deacon in, at, at Madera says this is a recharging station. Amen. <laughs> I mean, out there, it, it's hard for us as children of God to see the things that are happening in this world. And it, 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 it causes me great sorrow that the first reaction to what is going on is let's cancel church. Worshiping the king Amen. is not an option. Amen. Okay? Right. Put the kingdom of God first. And that includes 
when uh, we have opportunity and, and, and to, to be in the house of God, to hear the gospel preach, to feed our souls, to strengthen us, uh, that we could walk better in the Lord than we have in days past and gone because it tells us to go on to perfection. We need to grow in grace and knowledge and understanding of how the king would have us to live. Amen. There's a parable, very familiar parable. It's a parable of the sower. But you know, there's a lead up to that parable. And I'll just, real quick, ninth chapter tells us in Matthew uh, that Jesus says the fields are white for harvest, but the laborers are few. And you know what he does? He goes and, and selects his 12 apostles, his 12 disciples. Right. What was the purpose of those 12 disciples? To help spread the word of God. Right. Now the 8th chapter of Luke tells us in the first verse that Jesus was going about doing this and his disciples were with him. Right. The 9th chapter starts out with what? It starts out with Jesus sent out his disciples and what did he tell them to preach? He told them to preach the same thing that he was preaching in the uh, first chapter, of the, uh, the first verse to the eighth chapter. Right. The kingdom of God. Right. Okay. John the Baptist, what did he say about the kingdom of God? He said the kingdom of God was at hand. Amen. He didn't say the kingdom of God was beginning. Right. It's an everlasting kingdom. Amen. You know how long this kingdom is going to be here? It's going to be here until it's delivered back unto the Father like uh, Paul tells us in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Right. And when it's all delivered, you know, there's going to be every child of God without the loss of one uh, presented to God uh, where God will be our all in all. That's what we have to look forward to. That is, uh, that is what the preaching of the gospel, it should uh, find that lodging place and encourage us, uh, whether it's coronavirus or any other virus, uh, there are no coronaviruses in the kingdom of God. Because you know where the kingdom of God is? The kingdom of God is within you. That's what Jesus tells us. He also tells us his kingdom is not of this world. This is an otherworldly experience that we should be experiencing this morning. Uh, I hope we've left the coronavirus out there uh, in the world. But you know who's in charge of the coronavirus too? The Lord's in charge of it. Over in Daniel it says that he will give the kingdom to whomsoever he will. And you know who he also, and it tells us who he gave it to. He gave it to the saints. This is the kingdom uh, that we live in. Uh, and in order for there to be a kingdom, you have to have a king. Amen. And we serve the king. Yes. We don't serve uh, uh, just the world. Right. Because if we're serving the world and the king, uh, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, we're not serving him, are we? Amen. But you know what? God loved us and loves us that he did not leave us to just roam around down here and wonder why we feel like we feel. Because I tell you what, if you're a child of God, there should be something in you uh, that uh, differentiates you from this world. So what does he do? 
He sends His Son in the likeness of our flesh. You know why? Because He came as a man. Who did, uh, who did the, uh, Nebuchadnezzar see in, in the furnace? With those three Hebrew children. The fourth was like unto the Son of God. He saw Him. Daniel saw him when he said uh, uh, he was the son of man was given the authority. Right. Now the Old Testament uh, teaches us about Jesus all through it. Right. But it came as a mystery. There was a, 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 a darkness over it, a, a curtain. Because uh, people could see around them what was going on. And, and the law was a law of ordinances. The law was a, a, a law of, of penalty. And there was no mercy without two or three witnesses under the law. No mercy. If two or three witnesses uh, and the word was established in them, uh, that person was guilty. And guess what? You wouldn't have a job because there would be no appeals. I've been to that part of the world. I've witnessed justice in, in the Middle East. And you know what? They believe in that type of judicial system. If there is witness against you, you're convicted. They take you to the next room and they carry out the judgment. No appeals. But because of Jesus Christ, we don't need an appeals court. Because he is the king. He's the judge. He makes the rules. Right. Now, sometimes in my foolishness, I look at Adam. And by one man, sin entered into the world. Adam was given one commandment. How in the world, how much easier could God make it? <laughs> one commandment. Do you know in the kingdom of God, we only have one commandment? James chapter 2 verse 8 says that it's the royal law. It says if you keep the royal law, you do good. What's the royal law? The royal law is this, that you love your neighbor as thyself. You know what? That's a royal law. What's royal talking about? It's talk, that's a kingdom term. You know what? It talks about, you, you know how it describes a child to God? There were royal priesthood. We're royalty. You know, in order for you to have the royal title, you have to be, uh, and you look uh, in our world, and there's a good, uh, good illustration, uh, who's going to become uh, the next monarch in England when the queen either steps down or passes away. It just doesn't go to anyone. It goes to the eldest of her children. A relation. If we're royalty, it's because, and we are royalty, uh, because we are related to the king. And we need to have that desire uh, to want to do that, uh, that the king would have us to do. And what would he have us to do? He'd have us. He'd have us to love. To love. Amen. Love thy neighbor as thyself. You know what else he did when he came into this world? He showed us. And he also uh, 
he, he took away all question about what that neighbor should look like. Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. And how did it come out? It came out in the 13th chapter of the book of John when he washed the disciples' feet. Yeah. And what did he say? A new commandment I give you. Another place says it's not a new commandment. What he did is he just showed openly and plainly by his behavior what it looked like, what he had just done as our Lord and Master, our King, got down and washed the disciples' feet. And he said, love one another as I have loved you. In the 10th chapter of Luke, it talks about the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan... He went and he helped a stranger. And there was a lawyer that talked to him about it. And he asked the question, who is my neighbor? The Lord told him about the, the good Samaritan. And you know what? And I, I, in the 10th chapter, and it, and it ends this way. He asked him after he gave those Examples in the 36th chapter, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Was it the priest that crossed the road or the other one that ignored him? Or was it the Samaritan? And he said, and he said, he that showed mercy on him. Amen. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Amen. You know, the question is not who is our neighbor. The statement and our uh, uh, responsibility is to go be the neighbor. Amen. Go be the neighbor. Right. So when we keep the royal commandment, uh, that means we have obligation uh, to go out and minister uh, to God's people. Right. To help one another. To sacrifice. Oh boy. Yeah. What is sacrifice? Sacrifice is simple. It really is. It's putting yourself aside for another's benefit. Yes. That's it. You know what? If you stop and open the door for somebody, that's a sacrifice. Right. You have stopped, instead of charging on and, and going through, you have stopped and did a kindness to somebody. Yeah. That's a sacrifice. Right. That's a behavior God is well pleased with. So in the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew, and I'm not even going to read the parable, because I want to get beyond the parable. And what we see here, and, and I, I, I need to interject this right now in, in the book of Mark, it tells us about this parable. Jesus says, if you can't understand this parable, how are you going to understand the rest of it? Right. right? How are you going to know about the kingdom of God if you don't start with the basics? Right? right? It's like our children. How do they learn how to count? What's the first thing? Generally, what is the first introduction of math to a child? I got a five-year-old grandson, and every birthday I say, how old are you? Yeah, right. I say, you're one. Next one, you're two. Right? right. You're teaching, they're learning how to count. He can now tell me he's five years old, one, two, three, four, five. Right. 
Okay? So, now, did I start with trigonometry? <laughs> no! In order for him to be able to understand trigonometry, there's a whole lot of other things he's going to have to understand. And Jesus says that about this parable. You've got to understand this parable. It's important that you understand this parable. And in order for you to understand this parable, there's something I'm going to show you. And what he shows us here, uh, and it goes uh, in the 14th verse. And I'm going to read this, and we're going to go over to the 6th chapter of the book of Isaiah. And it says, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. He's talking about the kingdom. He presented this parable to them that, you know, you, there is not one person, and I'm talking about someone that has no inkling or any uh, desire to know anything about God can read this and envision what he's talking about. There's a, there's a man with a bag of seed, and he's walking along, and he's throwing seed on the side of the road. Right. I mean, you can visualize that. Right. You wouldn't think that was a very smart farmer. Right? Then you see somebody trying to plant a garden on a rock. Yeah. You, you can see that, right? right? I mean, and that's what he says. That you see these things, yeah. but you can't see them. Right. But there is a prophecy fulfilled here. And let's turn over to that sixth chapter of Isaiah. And look at this prophecy that, and, and the, and the uh, manifestation of it. In the 10th verse, it starts out with what he spoke. But we need to go back a little bit. Let's go back up to the 8th verse. Because this is part of the fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus is talking about. It says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said, Here am I Send me. What did God do? What did God do? The law and the prophets were until John. John said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said about the kingdom. From the time of John the Baptist until now. Until he made these words. He said the kingdom comes about with violence. And the violent take it by force. Can you imagine what he was up against? And the pushback he was getting from the Jewish nation? How strong was the pushback that he was getting? They wanted to and inevitably put him on a cross. The kingdom of God that we uh, are blessed uh, to be part of this morning uh, has, has been established and Jesus himself came. He said, here am I, send me. It wasn't that he was uh, 
begrudgingly sinned. When he prayed in the garden, let, these, let this cup pass from me, he wasn't saying, God, I wish you hadn't made me do this. He did it willingly. He kept the law. He kept it to a jot and a tittle. And part of that law was uh, the one that redeemed uh, those that had been sold uh, had to be willing uh, to do what was necessary, had to have the price uh, uh, to pay, uh, and that he would do it. And Jesus came willingly. He said, here am I, send me. And he was sent uh, to teach these things, him very self in his person. That we would have no question. That we would have the witness. That we would not be as Thomas. That we could see the spiritual application of these parables. And not be like Thomas. Yeah, I can see the sower sowing, but how does that apply to me? We have to apply it and see uh, that this kingdom is not of this world. How, to, how does this parable apply uh, in our lives? And he teaches that parable plainly, but he doesn't teach it to the multitude. Right. Because the multitude did not want to receive it. But his disciples inquired. And are we disciples this morning? Are we here to Amen. inquire? What does God me. He gave us a book. He gave us a witness. He gave us testimony. And he gave us his son. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's a gift. So in this parable, he says these things. And the sower soweth the word. Right. He soweth the word. And I liken, you get ready, Brother Lonnie, it's about time. And I'm going to bring this to a conclusion. As we consider this parable, we can see, and it's important for us to understand, these, the word was sown in their hearts. You know what? When Jesus sowed the seed, it found the mark. Right? But here are God's people, and every one of these examples are God's people. They all have heard. They've all received the seed. But what do they do with it? You know, the analogy of our feet. Yeah. You know, you have the seed sown by the wayside. Person doesn't care. Yeah. He is a child of God who has both his feet planted and established firmly in the world. Right. That's right. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't care about serving God. He, wants, he serves himself. Yeah. That child of God. That, that's a danger for us, that we could fall all the way into that situation. I believe as that seed is sown in our hearts, we all start at the very same place. The second one, on stony ground. You know what? 
It tells us in one place that we're to uh, till up the fallow soil. If we let the soil in our lives get hard, uh, nothing's going to grow out of it. And now I'm going to jump the third one and go to the fourth one. There's a person whose field and they prepared it. That person's feet are planted firmly in the kingdom. Right. Planted. Amen. Established. Why? Because his ways are established because he seeks the word of God. Amen. <clears throat> now what happened to the third one? The thorns come up in the world. In the 24th chapter of the book of Proverbs, it tells us about this one that was going along and he came about and he saw the field of the slothful man. What did he see? It says he saw a vineyard. And that vineyard had been overgrown with thorns and thistles. And he says, and there was a wall that was broken down. And he says, but then I understood. You know what he understood? A little folding of the hand. Yep. A little falling away. A little here. That's what happened to that field. That's right. It didn't just end up the way it was at that point overnight. Right. I mean, sometimes you think it does. Yeah. You know, I, 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 have, I, I have a lazy man's yard, but I have some rocks. And I'll tell you what, I have to go out there every morning and pull out some weeds. Mm -hmm. Oh, weeds do, they come up quick. Yeah. And if you don't keep up with them, what happens? You're going to slip and you're, it's going to be like your deck. That's right. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get used to it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but you know what happened to that third person? It says that he became <clears throat> unfruitful. You know, at one time, that vineyard of the slothful man, the lazy man, evidently, he planted it to bring forth what? Good fruit. And he built a wall. He didn't build a broken wall, and he didn't build a vineyard to have it overcome with thorns and thistles, but right. it did. That's right. And you know what causes it? When we... Brother reminds me often, just turn to it and read it. Quit trying to read at it. He says, Then I saw and considered it well. This is Proverbs 24, 32. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. That is how the world is going to overtake you. That's right. Right? That, that second one that the, the seed cast on, uh, upon the, the rocks, he's got one foot in the world and one foot in the church, but he's leaning to the world. Right. <laughs> that other one is like Asaph. He had both feet in the world, and now he's putting his toe out there and tapping it in the world. And you know what happens when you start tapping? Pretty soon that tap gets yep. harder right. and harder. Pretty soon you try to balance mm. the church and the world. You'll never balance Amen. the church and the world. Amen. That's right. That's right A man cannot serve two masters. Amen. 
Are we going to serve the King of glory? The last thing I'm going to read is in the 10th chapter of Luke. And as we go about to serve one another, let's be mindful as the Lord sent out His disciples. And they went out and they did those miracles. And they come back to the Lord and said, Boy, you know, uh, even... Uh, it, Where am I going to start at? Well, he, went, he sent them out in the 10th chapter. The 70 disciples were sent out. And they came back. And they'd done these wonderful things. Uh, and they, uh, in the 17th verse says, And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. They were rejoicing uh, in the works they had done. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. You know what? Satan doesn't have a chance if the Lord does it. Right. Amen. <laughs> you know, what you did was good, but I have power over all things. Right. And what to listen to what he says. Behold, I have given unto you the power. <clears throat> Brethren, we've been, the power that we have is not power in and of ourselves, it's the Amen. power that God gives us. <clears throat> Brethren, we have at our hand resurrection power. Right. If we're children of the king, if we are royalty, and if we are uh, desiring to keep the royal law and loving one another, God would be pleased with us. Yes. But listen to what he says about that. No matter what we do, how good we think we're doing here in this world, listen to this. What's important? And nothing shall by any means hurt you. I love that. I'm not worried about the coronavirus. Amen, brother. You know? But he says this, and I'm going to come to conclude my remarks. I'm just going to read this scripture, and I'm going to go sit down, Brother Lonnie. You start coming up here. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, even if we do our very best to keep that one law, the royal law, and that we live our lives uh, to serve God and our feet stay Firmly planted in the, in, 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 in the kingdom of God. Yeah. <clears throat> Not wavering. Right. If you ask in faith, it says, without wavering. Right. Right. But it says, it says, "Not the spirits are subject to you. Don't rejoice. In, you know what? As children of God, the spirits are subject to us. <laughs> they really are. You know how I know that? Because Jesus told us how to do it. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Amen. You have the power to resist the devil. You have power over the spirits that will come among you to try to draw you out into the world. You have power. He says, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. God bless you, our prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.